0: Warning, this podcast may contain mature language, so if you're not comfortable with that, earmuffs. And now, the Andy Greenwald podcast. Andy,
1: Andy. Hello, my name is Andy Greenwald. This is my podcast great day here in New York City. I am joined in our studio by one of the stars of one of my very favorite TV shows, FXX's comedy You're the Worst, which airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Aya Cash, welcome. Well, hello. Hello. How are, How funny to find you here across from me.
0: Amazing.
1: And I'm glad that we got you the uh, size-appropriate chair. Mm-hmm. Um, are you comfortable?
0: Yes. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm used to being swallowed by large... Th- whoa, whoa. I don't Smollend. know where I was about to go. <laughs> Yes, my feet don't touch the ground, but
1: because you're so happy,
0: it's like Alice to be in Wonderland. Here. It's wonderful.
1: <laughs> um, I'm very happy we're talking because, as I mentioned, I love your show, and uh, I want to specifically talk about the episode that aired last week, which was excellent showcase for you and your character, Gretchen. Mm-hmm. But I want to begin somewhere else, and it's sort of where we where we were before we started recording, which is. You live in New York City. Mm-hmm. You proudly live in New York City. Yes. It's not just that you proudly live in New York City. You live like two F train stops away from where I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. That seems bold and it makes me happy. Because I feel like many actors, particularly actors on television, they, they, they move to the sun. Why Why not you? Why are you still here?
0: I mean, I think that like from the time I was in high school I've had a very romanticized idea of New York that of course New York has never ever really lived up to but I keep hoping for it it
1: must have crushed you down into yeah no
0: I I, I've been destroyed many times by New York but I think I still have that sort of romantic idea of it and also I just there's something about earning it like feeling like you've earned spring and earned you know I grew up without seasons where did you grow up San Francisco
1: okay Okay. yeah so you had a yeah, you felt good and happy for like a few years before you came here and started suffering.
0: Yeah, well, I I actually I went to school in Minneapolis.
1: Okay, so, so that you caught was, up.
0: yes, yeah, so that was and that was r- r- too brutal. You so got New eighteen York years a nice worth combo. of winter
1: in college, yeah. And then you came here and evened out.
0: Yeah, I didn't understand that I had nose hairs until I lived in Minneapolis because it was negative like sixty with the wind chill, and I'd be like, "Why are there like you know icicles in my nose?" Oh, I. I have nose hairs.
1: People tend to discover themselves in college in mm-hmm. different ways, and that's very beautiful. But st- I
0: learned about myself.
1: It's a very beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my New York thing, and maybe you can help me with this. How, how long have you been here now, living in the city?
0: 11 years.
1: Okay, I've been here now. Um, this podcast is mostly going to be about me in yeah. the city. Um, it's like Marin. <laughs> oh Let me tell you about the time I auditioned for SNL.
0: <laughs> and uh, tell me about your health issues. I
1: have so many, and I also have a lot of cats. Um... 16 years in the city, and I feel like one thing that's kept me here is this hard-won knowledge of how to do things, how to survive, Mm -hmm. how to get from place to place, even when the trains aren't working like they weren't working today. And then slowly I've realized that you don't get a reward for that. I'm beginning to realize that, like, when I turn, like, 45 or something, the mayor isn't going to say, congratulations, now you get to live in New York City Plus. Yeah. And it's like a sky city where everything is warm.
0: Yeah. Although... Maybe there will be, because didn't they just see a sky city in China?
1: There is a sky city in China, but you know, there's everything in China. So
0: maybe we can enter the alternate universe that is New York
1: 2.0. Okay, so you're still hopeful.
0: I'm still hopeful.
1: Okay, terrific. Now, the you have to go to Los Angeles to film You're the Worst. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you aren't able to go do that during the winter. If you could sync that. That would be the best gig ever.
0: That would be ideal. Yeah. I I give up summer, and I actually really like summer because I spend a lot of it uh, upstate New York and, you know... Swim holes, my bougie life is what we call summer. And um,
1: do they still have swim holes? Oh yeah,
0: no, there's like real swim holes. It's, oh my goodness, it's really great and farmers markets and oh. yeah, it's beautiful. Just no, let I your spent, nose hair
1: out. And yeah, just...
0: I don't, I don't even notice my nose hair in the summer. Uh, yeah, so we shoot in the summer, and I would love to shoot. Maybe a, I, I like a little winter. I, I like a little season. I yeah. just don't want a full season of winter. And and I spent. So the last two years were terrible with winter, and the I spent worst. Lo- part of last winter in Hartford, Connecticut, which is worse. So I'm looking forward
1: to known for its winters.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. So.
1: Do you? It's it's funny to me because I think that you're the worst among its many charms. Is that it is the most unapologetically Los Angeles show mm-hmm. because its creator Stephen Falk uh, loves it there, is very happy living there, and. Uh, Actually, shows people much like they actually are there. They they live in real places. They 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 treat their you know they act they basically behave the way people I know who live there behave. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there was even in this episode that we're going to begin talking about soon some some non some barbed barbed digs at mm-hmm. New Yorkers with their desire to walk. Well,
0: there's also I just think that the competitive part between New York and L.A. is is about ease of life right like right. we new yorkers are like yeah but we we like are on the subway we're around people yeah. we have you know different classes up against each other in new york often, you're just in your yeah. car and like the weather's always beautiful and like if you take the judgment out of the voice in that statement like you're like okay <laughs> great yeah
1: good it's fine. really
0: just the inflection that is the
1: yeah that's fair problem. enough um
0: uh and i think there's a certain jealousy I mean, I have it, too. And and I want to live in New York. I'm just a better human in New York. I'm, like, a very weak, weak person and very influenced and porous in my surroundings. And there's the certain kind of L.A. bullshit, like, makes me, like, not feel good. Whereas, like, the New York bullshit, I feel I'm, I'm okay with.
1: Give me an example of each.
0: So, like, New York bullshit is... The industry here is Wall Street.
1: Right. Uh, and
0: fashion and advertising. It's,
1: it's a money business, yes. basically.
0: And so, you know, you you get assholes and and you get aggression. And I can sort of deal with all that. And I can deal with the fact that it's an industry that I'm not remotely a part of. So I can sort of step away from. Whereas in L.A., all the assholes are in the industry I'm in. And so they're just, oh, it's always in my face. And you start to normalize some of the weird L.A. stuff. Like, I remember I've been told a couple times, like, oh, you can just get a little Botox. You know, just a little. uh, Really? Yeah. Well, I I even like going to a dermatologist, though, like for a skin, for like seborrheic dermatitis. Sexy. That's this. what I have. Um, but uh, you know, you go and they're like, "Oh, you know, if you just put some injections in here, you wouldn't have those bags under your eyes." And you're like, "Oh, maybe that." Whoa! What, who 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 am it's I that I slope. suddenly? And I haven't succumbed to any of that stuff. But a lot of that, or like getting sent home from auditions for not wearing enough makeup, or you know, it, uh. there's like a certain thing that starts to normalize. And I'm I'm just too scared that I'm such a wuss I would succumb to all. Well, of you can
1: it. have a life that's separate from it here I mean you don't you can be surrounded by as you said many different types of people but many people in different lines of work whereas the actoring existence in LA can just become as you said it can become normal of of auditions and rejection but like
0: better people than like I know great people in LA who don't like it's more my fear that like I'm susceptible I'm susceptible therefore like let me take the easy route which is live in New York where I feel like I'm a normal human being and like in line with what I think I should be in line with
1: That's fair enough. So this L.A. set show created by uh, Los Angelino and the Mm -hmm. cast is... There's only one person in the cast who lives there, actually, right? And that's Kether? Yeah, and
0: Kether grew up in New York and uh, lived in New York until we started shooting.
1: Because when I, I... met you guys well i met you and chris and and steven at a fx event here in march Mm -hmm. and it was so great to meet you because obviously i'm a big fan but also you were all very nice and normal (laughs) and also behaving as if you didn't belong at that party which i definitely didn't belong Mm -hmm. at, and i appreciated that so much i didn't and and, uh i wonder if it was rare happy exciting to find a group and a show that in many ways had that attitude
0: yeah i mean and let me tell you a secret. Nobody belongs to that party. Like, everyone right. you're looking at being like, oh, like, if that that person must feel like they're cool I, here. Nobody does. I don't know.
1: I was at the party the year before, and like, Timothy Oliphant and Walton Goggins were like doing whiskey shots and leather jackets playing pool. And I was like, they belong here.
0: Yeah, that's why they were getting wasted. Yeah. I don't think
1: so. Oh. I think everybody
0: has them. A... I was like, hey, we're getting wasted. <laughs> yeah, tell me no, more. but I'm right. saying like, I mean, and I don't know if they, I'm sorry. I don't, they've been I, sober for two years no how idea. dare you <laughs> but i'm just saying like yeah. n- nobody's super comfortable the way to be comfortable and i yeah. found a way to do that stuff which is uh first of all you just find your friends and then when you're feeling really bad leave like don't force yeah. yourself to be in a bad situation and you can have a lot of fun and like everyone is mostly actually good normal people Um, And the people who won't look you in the eye and are always looking over your shoulder, don't talk to them. If they don't want to talk to you, don't talk to them because it just makes you feel bad. But nobody wants to be there. What was the question?
1: (laughs) No, you're probably right. Well, let's talk about You're the Worst because you are... let me set the set the scene for me. I, I want to know a little bit the origin story of how you got involved in the project because you're living um, in New York, mm-hmm. and you, you get a script, and it's a, a comedy, and it's going to take you to L.A. It's a very L.A. set. Mm-hmm. Pilot, I think, is one of the funniest comedy pilots I've ever seen, um, and so you know, it's such strong, such strong voice, such strong characters. But I feel like you know, when I spoke to Stephen. He admitted that he wrote it almost in reaction to many bad experiences he had had on network shows. So he wrote things that, in a way, many people would have expected that they never could have been made. It mm-hmm. almost seemed like a dare. Yeah. What was your reaction to this script?
0: I mean, I, I loved it. I, I read it, and I, I rarely get super excited about stuff, and I'm sort of a pessimist. Uh, and I called my agent. I was like, it's really good. Have you read it? It's really good. I was like, they'll never let me do it, but it's so good. And I had met Stephen maybe a year before... For Next Caller, please, actually. The show that he...
1: Because uh, he he packed up his life. He came to New York to make Mm -hmm. a show with Dane Cook for NBC. Yes, They filmed six episodes, and then they canceled it without ever airing it.
0: Yeah. So we met at, like, a Starbucks in the Valley (laughs) for that show before it had had done anything. And had just a great conversation where we were like, oh, like, normal humans. We both grew up in San Francisco.
1: Mm -hmm. We got
0: along. um, And... That obviously didn't uh, didn't happen. Colette Wolfe, who is on now as um, as a rando, e- as Edgar's girlfriend Dorothy, was the lead in that show. Um, but so when I went into audition for it, I I sort of knew that I liked Stephen on top of his writing. Right, I like both.
1: What. Um, what was the process of getting the part? Was it you read it and it worked or does it? are these things always much more complicated? Oh,
0: much that? more complicated. So I, I was – what was I doing? I was in L.A. for some reason. I, I was in L.A. doing We Are Men, which was a show that lasted very – CBS. That didn't last, yes. Tony
1: Shalhoub and yes. uh, Jerry O'Connell. Yes. The beauty is I have to review all these things. So yeah. I, I saw it's one aired mm-hmm. episode.
0: I I had one line. You well, may remember me <laughs> as the one line girl.
1: To be fair, you are not men. So the show no, was I'm not men. really meant to no, serve us. I as was
0: either. Cal Penn's wife and so they had uh, so <laughs> it's I was such a
1: glamorous industry. Yeah. It's,
0: no, I was gonna I was planning to leave the industry. i had called my agents and I was like, you know what, this isn't working. I wasn't working for a while. I felt really bad. Yeah. I was like all my focus is on this stupid like auditioning for things that I don't care about and so I was going to open an antique shop upstate and just leave and then i was uh-huh. like don't call me i'm gonna do this play at the rattlestick and like i'll call you when i'm ready in a couple months if i still want to continue Is, is this. the rattlestick a real place the rattlestick is a theater downtown oh yeah. good
1: it's not just like another swimming hole no 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 the thing.
0: rattlestick playwrights theater which is a great place to okay. work and i've worked there a couple of times and i was doing this play with my friends that i loved and i had done before but i was like i don't know if i want to do this for my career anymore it's too depressing because I'm weak. Because this no. is a great career, and it's you know no,
1: it but can, it can be. But I I am always in awe of people who are professional actors because it's you and you have to put yourself up there and you get rejected. Yeah, and it, people can more successfully than others separate you know your own self worth from others. But I, I could never in a million. I'm not very that. good at it. It's hard. so
0: I get very down about things. Um, and so I basically was like, I'm done, and then my agent called and was like we have this offer for you and I was like what I'm back yes <laughs> Hello? of course what, can I, what is it yes <laughs>
1: throw open the window yes
0: so I was doing this play but I was flying into LA for literally 24 hours to do my one to five lines on we are men to like and it it was a great job honestly like it paid for me to do theater for $250 a week so That's it great. was this great job I would fly in and then fly back w- to do my show what was your line I have no idea Oh my God. I feel like I caught him cheating in the first episode. You men. Yeah. (laughs) You are men. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a terrible joke. I'm going to continue. But um, so basically while I was in L.A. for one of those 24 hour periods, I was able to go in and audition for Steven. And then the next time when I was back, he called me back to audition again. And then I flew for my test, um, which went horribly. It didn't go that badly. It went, like, well and then bad because you do these for hours. And some of them went well and some of them went badly. And then I didn't get the part. Oh. And they cast Chris and they cast Kether at that point. And they were like, nope. I was devastated. And Stephen was like, well, the no is coming from the network. And I want you for this part and I was like well good luck with that yeah (laughs) cause I've been there before and uh, he was filming his Orange is the New Black uh, and I went and retested with him in the offices just me Um, and we made a little tape and I told him about my idea to open an antique store and I said thank you so much like you're such a mention see you never probably yeah And then I got a call that night while I was about to go on stage, being like, "You got the role!" And like everyone in my cast came and screamed. I mean, we were all so excited.
1: How was your performance that night? Was it great? Supercharged. I was doing like like,
0: a really dark show, like where I almost get raped at the end,
1: (laughs) and (laughs) you just can't stop smiling.
0: Yeah, it was like, "Ah, come and get it.
1: (laughs) That added a very strange note, but
0: yeah. But so that's my story of how I got it, but also a testament. And I've said this before, but first of all, I've never felt like the unwanted one like fx has been very very supportive since then and what is so impressive is that they let Stephen have his artistic vision yeah. which is so unusual
1: yes especially for someone who i mean he's not untested he's worked for a long time but this is his first running his own shop yeah. kind of thing they were
0: like you want that girl you can have that girl did they
1: <laughs> did anyone has anyone me a to you directly? Have they apologize? No,
0: but I've heard they have to Steven. Like I've okay. heard he uses me to like get certain music sometimes. That's too expensive. He's like, remember about Aya? I was right about Aya. I That's, think He did that for the.
1: There are worse things to be. Yeah. That's good. So
0: I feel I feel vindicated.
1: <laughs> so you've had you've had experience on more let's say traditional sitcoms. Mm-hmm. You know, as Cal Penn's wife. I think you did. You were were you in the pilot of Friday Night Dinner? That was a NBC yeah. show that was hyped to go many yeah. many places and yeah. like many of these great projects uh, yeah. did not um how would you characterize your experience making the show in, in comparison to the others because i find i mean I, I i love you're the worst so much i just i find it like it's it's the show that kind of gets me i it's deeply funny and the joke writing is as good as anything and the performances are better than most but it's emotionally true and it holds those characters in such high regard you know it never never sells out a character even when situations are extreme, and and I feel like that's very very rare, um, particularly for, um, well, particularly for a sitcom.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, I I think that doing this show has been the like the word. <laughs> this sounds cheesy, but the word that comes to mind is fearless, and I feel like I'm not. Isn't
1: that FX's official slogan? <laughs>
0: oh wait, is that why that comes to mind? <laughs> But, but, like, no they owe you joke. Now. No joke. I'm not scared of the executives, even. I mean, there's a certain position that you're put in as an actor that yeah. is so antithetical to art, um, which is that you're always the sort of one waiting to be picked. And, yes. uh, right. So, art is collaborative in my mind. And there's a certain school mentality to being an actor of like learning for the grade or getting the teacher to pick you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't feel like that in this environment. And FX, like their executives will hang out with us. They talk to us like human beings. We have conversations about things other than the show. They're very supportive and they're just around and not like scary floating faces in the background of a table read.
1: Well, they seem to have found a way to to make this work, to make their economic model work where they want to have things be good. And that seems very simplistic. And, you know, I've written many things about the shows that they make that I don't think are good. Yeah. But they seem to support it if it's good. They, they understand the value of something that is working, you know. Yeah. And, and And when your first season ended, people said, oh, you know, how are the ratings? Is it going to get renewed? And, and I didn't know anything. But I said, I am confident that it will because they're too smart to cancel this show.
0: I mean that's sort of how I feel. I have so much faith in that network and what they do from the top to the bottom. Um and that makes my job easier because I feel like I'm like I'm contributing something yeah. and have a valid voice in in what I'm working on. And that includes obviously with the writers and Stephen. And I'm not talking about a collaboration where I write my lines because that there's a misunderstanding about I feel like uh collaboration that when I talk about or when anyone talks about being collaborative mm-hmm. in a process, it's, it's that I have input about the story. I actually don't have input about the story. And yet I still feel like a collaborator, meaning my piece is just as important and mm-hmm. I have a say about my piece. But I am not a writer on the show. And this is a very structured show. And the writers do the writing of the show.
1: Didn't you... T- Tell me that you had a pitch for the second season?
0: Oh, I've had many pitches. I mean, like, I try. Sure, that's what but, we're uh, But at. again, I don't, I mean, it, you know, I've, I also, I always want to work with my friends. So I remember pitching that I was adopted and had like 10 sisters that's because, right. you know, I just wanted all my friends to like, show. It's like that movie
1: The Fighter where you just have yeah, like just completely. groups of women on the porch. And
0: I just wanted all my, my buddies on the show. I had a pitch where they started season two with. Kether with Lindsay as the main character because she ends as the worst and oh, we're this, all the sidekicks.
1: That's what you told me. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, it was bold. It didn't happen. <laughs> no, but you go in and you say your piece. I mean, yeah. we we were we were joking about how uh, this podcast might not become as as uh, touch on as serious as many serious topics as the podcast I did with your friend Andre yeah. Holland recently. Mm-hmm. But one thing that is a common thread is that, and I said this to him, and I feel like it's worth talking about here too, which is the the hardest part of acting to my mind it's not just what you were talking about with the rejection it's the it's the potential for it to feel powerless because you cannot generally generate your own material you are at the mercy of other people and so I feel like to have a successful project actors have to be at the table you have to feel like you're a part of it and you're not just another prop except one that talks
0: yeah yeah. I mean I also I've started to feel like I, I can't write I'm not a writer and, and I won't pretend to be um, but I feel like producing is going to be my way of having more of a say. And I've started to sort of dip my toe in that. And it's been really satisfying because I can I can say I don't like that. Fix that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Even if I don't know how to fix it. Um, That's what you pay
1: other people to do. I think
0: that's fun. But I also I just feel if everyone is trusted to do their. Have you been watching Project Greenlight?
1: No, I have not. It's pretty good. <laughs> I, 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 I see people tweeting about yeah. snarky things about it. It makes it sense. Well what's
0: interesting, interesting what I keep thinking as I'm watching is about collaboration and sort of artistic the the like tour idea of mm-hmm. of being an artist and this idea that like somebody has all the brilliance and will impart that brilliance.
1: Just just, just dole it out. Yeah, you know, and instead
0: in of what my experience has, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the douchey thing right now.
1: I'm, I'm pretty psyched.
0: When I was working with Martin Scorsese. Woo!
1: Should we just <laughs> let, that, let, that, <clears throat> let that live in the room? Just Take a drink.
0: let it, let it be out there. Uh, <laughs> Marty's like, who's I? Um, <laughs> but uh, what I respected about him is he let everyone do their job and he empowered everyone to do their job and I think that's what I respond to best is people who are really smart and really good at what they do and also they trust everyone around them to do good, too, because they have chosen people yes. that they believe in and empowered them to do their and job. And
1: it's interesting because that's a different skill set than mm-hmm. directing a movie or or acting or writing. That's, that's management and that's delegation and that's maturity. But it's actually been a thread in the last few conversations I've had in this room because uh, Andre was talking about Steven Soderbergh that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Burns was talking about learning that exact lesson from Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. so I guess these successful directors are successful for a reason, it's not just camera angles
0: well and there, but there are, I mean there's something to be said also about a strong artistic vision and and not bending on that, the reason in Project Greenlight these sort of keep playing back and forth and I think that's really an interesting tension but ultimately I come down on the side of you better make it work with the people around you because part of your Mm -hmm. job is to empower them yeah, no. I, I mean, I think me and Spielberg are on the same page.
1: That was that's that way to put a bow on it. Yeah. That's where we were headed. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing. Okay, so season two of You're the Worst. Uh, the, season one told a one very specific story, and it mm-hmm. tracked this relationship, and it ended in a very reasonable place. Well, with a you know vibrator burning down an apartment, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. Yeah. It just comes from it's just driven. It just comes from experience from Steven's own life. Um, season two. I can only imagine the um, acrobatics necessary to keep it afloat because it's, you're in a different place. Mm-hmm. It's not about two characters meeting not cute mm-hmm. and, uh, and finding a way to make it work. It's about sustaining it, which is a different dramatic engine. And what I've been so impressed by this season was the fact that, that Stephen and his writers kept pushing towards a real place. And there was a big misdirect in the first few episodes that suggested your character Gretchen was cheating mm-hmm. and driving off in the middle of the night. And Jimmy's thrilled when he discovers she's just driving to the top of a hill to <laughs> weep uncontrollably in mm-hmm. her car and play Snake on a flip phone. Um, in the episode that aired last week, uh, we're recording it Wednesday, so it's airing tonight in our actual world. But
0: and I actually ha- I don't see it beforehand. You haven't so seen I it. actually haven't seen it. I oh, mean, I, I know I know what happens.
1: You're in, in it. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yes. I've read it. <laughs> it's
1: a terrific episode. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is the sitcom that is... Body and hilarious and it's going to this place about depression and about you know these people who are quote-unquote just having fun with each other Mm -hmm. having to deal with something more serious i I found it both jarring as a viewer but also really reassuring as a fan of the show
0: Mm -hmm. i mean and look i am as gross as it sounds i am a fan of the show as well um it's Exciting to be on something where I'm like, oh, I would watch that mm-hmm. if I wasn't on it. In fact, I would probably enjoy it more if I wasn't on it just because I'll have my own neuroses while watching. But <laughs> what I love about it and what I respond to is is how closely the sort of comedy and pain are yeah. connected in this show in a way that I find very true to life. I think about even on a very basic level... My father was in an accident a couple years ago and um, was in the hospital for a very long time. And I remember just cracking up with my stepmom at one point at the table because like right. you can't live, you can't live in either too long. You That's can't right. live up or you can't live down. And it's uh, the most painful is when things tend to be the most humorous. Um, and so I really respond to that in the writing. And I love the fact that Steven and the other writers are taking, basically, we got lauded for season one Mm -hmm. for what they did in season one and so entering season two I think uh, lesser I don't know why I have such a reaction to saying artists but because that's what they are but but lesser artists would have simply sort of given people what they wanted Mm -hmm. again and when I read season two I thought oh, some people are going to have really bad reactions to this and be like, I don't want to, I'm watching a comedy. I'm not interested in mm-hmm. this. Um, but what I am excited about is shows that that continually try to push themselves. Yeah. And Stephen has talked a lot about that in sort of the Genji Cohen school of don't save it, burn down a grass stick. Yeah. Um, and see what happens. And And, and she was
1: his mentor on Weeds and on Orange is the New Black.
0: Yeah, and uh, I just really appreciate that and find that really exciting. I would rather see something fail miserably than sort of see the safe thing.
1: I completely agree, and I'm really happy um, you talked about laughter coming from pain because I am often arguing this on the flip side of television, which is I don't buy dark, dramas anymore because that's not life it's not more realistic because it's dark the reality comes from a drama like Mad Men, having an english guy have his toe run over by a secretary on a lawnmower and then all of a sudden this horrific thing coming out of laughter i mean you can't have dark unless you have light and it's been very interesting to watch tv dramas get stuck in these rigid dark places where the half hour form has suddenly become much more um, fungible and much more fun and capable of expressing a much wider range of emotions, I mean, I think some of the the work that that you did on this episode that we 're talking about is some of the best dramatic work i 've seen this year um, but but similarly, um, a show like Togetherness on h b o was one of the more affecting emotional shows of the year, and that 's a comedy yeah
0: um,
1: it 's been fascinating to watch that flip transparent is another yeah. example
0: yeah also got can we just talk about that scene in togetherness at the end that was one of the sexiest things i've ever we, seen and they show nothing with the passing of the note back and forth under the door
1: oh my god yeah that was yeah, yeah. so
0: hot it's, i was like oh my god
1: but that, that's just that's what comes from <laughs> yeah that kind of storytelling mm-hmm. where you're not you can tell a comedy that's actually a drama you can tell yeah. something that is you know clean but is actually quite dirty i mean yeah. you, that's it's
0: something the Brits, I think, have actually done well right. for a long time, and I think we're we're catching up in a way. Mm-hmm. And I hate to sort of say that because I, I'm thinking about actually Andres. <laughs> Andres going to be like you talked about me the whole time. And he, said, um, he said a high
1: bar. So, <laughs> well,
0: well, talking about the idea of the the British black actor uh, versus uh-huh. the American black actor, but in general, the sort of idea of the British actor being better than the American mm-hmm. actor, but. What they have done is break genre in Britain yes. in a way that I do not think uh, we have been as comfortable with. I think about a show like, did you see Misfits?
1: I remember Misfits. I saw two episodes. Yeah. There, something like that.
0: I mean, it, it's a sci-fi show that is both ridiculously high comedy and ridiculously low drama. I mean, mm-hmm. it's um, I feel like that. I, things that surprise me are what interest me yeah. and and i find those sort of combinations surprising and exciting to see because they're just not normally shown on tv
1: when you're playing an episode like um i don't even know the name of the episode i was calling it the bottle episode or the, 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 the i don't know i don't <laughs> know if it has hey a minute? it has its own title and i don't have it in front of me but yeah last week's yes. Let's let's call it that um <laughs> do you when you, you read the script obviously you see what's coming mm-hmm. and you have to go from zero to 100 real quick mm-hmm. you are I, don't, I mean I don't know if it's filmed sequentially but in mm-hmm. one scene you are basically lying on top of a counter drunk mm-hmm. which is common with the show I would yeah. say and then in the next scene you are viciously taking down every single member of the cast mm-hmm. some of whom are happy and excited yeah. about it like mm-hmm. Vernon but the rest are maybe not um, do you have a different approach that day or is the work that you do to play the fullness of the character the same way every day and then you know wherever she goes is where she goes
0: you know i think it's the same for me mostly Uh, we all have different ways of working on the show and um different actors work differently and some people like to have like quiet moments before thoughtful i i find that if i am too serious about something including an emotional scene Mm -hmm. and too thoughtful about it it takes away any sort of impulses because I start to think and I start to craft, which mm-hmm. is actually not my strong suit. Um, and, uh, so I like to be distracted basically till the moment I go. Um, I do think what I learned this year through shooting, um, I sort of have thought about myself in that way for a long time of like, Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not method. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't do that. Um, that I do actually get very affected by what I'm doing. Like, I have noticed as I was going through the season that, like, I definitely had a lower energy and Mm. a lower, like, a less... um, I was a little more down during this season than I was last season, and I didn't think I was that kind of actor.
1: Do you like that your experience on the show is essentially, like, acting camp? Because you're away from home, which is never fun, but you're away from home focused... Just living in the world with these people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I make my husband come with me and and That's be nice. my house husband, and and he swam every day this year. He had a great time. Yeah, like, say, that actually does not sound like. No, a bad he had a game. great time. Although he's like,
1: used to swimming holes. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I basically said like get groceries, and do, he works very hard, and he's working right now. But he um, he had kind of a vacation, and that keeps me sort of grounded in reality because the problem with camp is that you're you are away from everything, mm-hmm. and in some ways it can be dangerous to be completely consumed by that if you do have a life outside of it Mm -hmm. like a husband (laughs) um but it is nice and what i loved about doing regional theater back in the day back in the day i did regional (laughs) theater this year but um what i what i generally love about it is that sort of sequestering where and and that family that you create with everyone that nobody else quite understands because it's just all of you in it together um and i think that helped um with the intimacy of our group because none of the actors lived. I mm-hmm. mean, the four of us, none of us lived in the same place. So we were sort of all, all away from home and experiencing LA together, really. Just and Desmond the show. is here.
1: Chris is in England. Mm-hmm.
0: He's in Manchester, Manchester. And then Kether was living in New York. So now she's in La La Land.
1: Committed. She's
0: totally committed and loving it and like having a really good time and, and enjoying what there is out there.
1: I, I have to. Since we're speaking about her, I do have to mention my other favorite scene so far this season, which was the, the scene of, that you and Kether did in, the, in the, your beloved yogurt shop, <laughs> which is essentially like the, the Bechdel test scene mm-hmm. where you try to find things to talk about other, mm-hmm. than, other than dudes. Yeah. I think the scene is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to frame it. I wanted to just carry it with me. Can
0: I tell you something about that scene? Please. It is, until we sit down at the table, it is entirely adr and it was so miserable to ADR it because
1: Wait, what, the what? yogurt
0: machines were making so much noise. Oh. And I, I love that scene too. And I was just so scared it was going to ruin it because you have a performance on the day, and then you're in a booth trying to recreate oh. your chemistry of yes, like what was amazing. happening in so the scene. We should
1: say for non biz listeners, oh, and I'm, I'm sure was, there's probably like only four or five. Yeah. This is a deep industry you have pod. You listeners?
0: No, I'm <laughs> we're actually these. Mics it's all, are, sp- let's talk about sports. These mics
1: aren't even on. <laughs> this is, I just wanted to chat. Um, ADR means that the audio was affected in some way in the room, so you went yeah. in a booth and looped additional
0: it, dialogue recording. Oh,
1: see, so you know the name. Mm. I just dropped those initials, and I just mm-hmm. hope that I can get away with it. Wow, so you had to recreate that because the the, the dialogue is precise, mm-hmm. the timing is exquisite, mm-hmm. uh, and that whole scene just plays so it's, it's yeah. just sharp little little yeah. bit. So, was it when you were doing it? Did you know that you would probably have to junk yeah. it and
0: because we could, I mean it was because you
1: literally like, couldn't sh- it's really I, I love
0: trying to talk over this sh- this is by the <laughs> way
1: the biz listeners are gonna love this um, I love the verite aspect of you're the worst you were in a real Yogurt Chop.
0: Oh, yeah. That's well, that's just... the best part is n- nothing's on a set.
1: So, right, there was talk. Steven said that there was talk about moving the house to a set this year.
0: Yeah, well, because they hate us in that neighborhood. I mean, uh, <laughs> those Silver lakeians are ready to kill you're the worst. Yeah, but you don't live there,
1: so you could be like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screw it. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's look, it's annoying to have. They they shoot the Americans in my neighborhood a lot. They you know. Mine as well, yeah. Uh, Doll and M, and I would like to be in those trailers and on those shows, but I wouldn't, I'm like parking is impossible. I I mean, you know, I understand it sucks. Yeah. Um, so it sucks for the neighbors there. Um, and, uh, hopefully we will have a set so that we don't, piss anyone off but because look it's fine for shooting in that house is great for us but for our crew it's really hard right. we get to pee in the bathrooms that we're not supposed to pee in we get to like mm-hmm. sit in the rooms with air conditioning and the crew is just like stuck in this house with five like mini floor I mean it's a very hard yeah. house to shoot in so for our crew's sake I hope that
1: D- does the neighbor has the neighborhood in any have, have there been sabotage attempts or people like someone
0: stole it? our porta potties <laughs> once why would you want that
1: oh I guess it's to no, hurt you yeah. I My guess. first thought was that someone was just psyched. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been trying to score one of these for a while.
0: I think there's probably a weird market for all that film stuff, though. There's probably like you a think? black market in LA for that.
1: That's, that's like, definitely I've got a
0: YouTube series and I really need
1: <laughs> First of all, <laughs> porta that's potties. definitely true. But yeah. that's like, that's pretty low on like the dark web trading. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. how many bitcoins yeah. for, for the for you're porta the porta worst <laughs> for the yeah. FXX comedy porta potty. Yeah. Um, what can What can we say about the remainder of season two, because this episode that we keep talking about the nameless episode mm-hmm. that we like because I'm so well prepared for mm-hmm. these um is a really strong pivot you know mm-hmm. uh the the season was obviously considered as a whole. the first two episodes were kind of continuing the good times from the last season, mm-hmm. and then we we were a little bit on edge and now we've we've taken a turn so what How would you characterize them? I know you haven't seen them because you mm-hmm. you don't watch the show, but
0: So we, we, it is a pivot, uh, and we stay on that pivot, I would say. So you basically, you're going to see more of Gretchen's mental health struggles, um, in terms of my storyline. Uh, but again, you know, we are in a comedy, and I think what is exciting to me is how do you both. Make light of and mm-hmm. honor what's happening. And I think it walks that line. Again, I haven't seen it, so I right. can't tell like but I think we did, I think I trust everyone involved enough that it that it works. Um, so there's moments of great humor. There's there's actually I would say so next week, if we're talking about the follow like where
1: well, the episode that follows the yes. the Freak Out?
0: The episode that follows the one that's that's airing tomorrow. Yes,
1: tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) An excellent winker.
0: Yes. Um, the uh, The episode that's airing tomorrow is Sunday Funday. So. We get kind of a relief because it's Sunday fun day. So it's going to be a wild, crazy right. ride of an episode. Um, but it doesn't veer off the story. It's not like we take a break from Gretchen's depression.
1: It's, it's still there.
0: Um, and then uh, as we go along, I think it's episode nine. Yeah, you guys are in for some real highs and lows. The, episode nine is unlike anything that I've seen done on television. Whoa, and I don't want to hype it in that way like we don't need to be you know it's not
1: I did mention that the Nick has a, a, a syringe full of cocaine being injected yeah. into Andre Holland's eyeball. So
0: way different than that. Okay. <laughs> but not um just a just an interesting take on how to make a new episode of this TV interesting. show. Interesting. Um like you'll you'll start watching and you'll think maybe you've like missed maybe you've recorded the wrong channel for a second
1: even better okay um
0: and i think that's really exciting too so i think it keeps pushing um and everyone gets some really fun stuff the sunday fun day stuff is is also just so great and and Lindsay has some I mean I can't even begin some of the funniest stuff that I've ever seen. I
1: feel like she I mean Kether's great in everything but it does seem like the season like after watching her dunk anytime she had the ball last year mm-hmm. they were like the point guards were like we'll just keep we'll keep feeding yeah. It to her.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean Kether Donahue is brilliant. I mean I think, you know, Desmond is brilliant and yeah. Chris is brilliant as well. Um but th- there's no one I've ever seen like <laughs> no. like Lindsay ever and What's crazy is they wrote the entire series last year, before we started shooting, so we shot the pilot. So Steven knew her
1: mm-hmm.
0: a little, but the rest of the writers didn't really know her. And the fact that they wrote that for her, yeah. like it was so perfect. Yeah. And to 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 have it's kind of like what happens on Orange Is the New Black, where you have these little mm-hmm. characters who. Once they get their episode and open up, you're like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But how did they know that that person could carry that off? I was like, how would you know that that person who played Lindsay in the first episode could go to those But that's my
1: second favorite thing about TV. My Mm -hmm. favorite thing about TV is the way it can develop so that now that they know she can. Yeah. Now they can just give her 100,000 things to do, Conflicted. like when she becomes a, um, you know, like a a right-wing ideologue because she's not thinking <laughs> about boys. Or yeah. or similarly, that's, yeah. you know, in your case, too, that, that they knew that you were capable of carrying the storyline. Because if yeah. you couldn't do it, right. the show can't do it. It's yeah. not just whether the writing is up to it. They have to make <laughs> you sure that you're up to it. Yeah, Sorry. So you're basically... I haven't seen it. <laughs> like, the FX executives yeah. are like, oh, no, we've made a terrible yeah, we, mistake.
0: We, we knew from the beginning we, she was not right. <laughs> we were
1: playing the long game, and yeah. unfortunately... So um, a year ago when you wrapped season one, you had no idea what you had just done, right? Because you hadn't seen it. And you had no way of knowing how it would be received. Um, You did get a second season. Mm -hmm. What was it like wrapping this year? Um, Do you feel – was it fun, bittersweet? Do you feel confident that you'll get a chance to do more?
0: I mean, I'm the pessimist of the group, you know. Like, even getting nominated for Critics' Choice, you know, Des is like, we're going to win. I was yeah. like, no, we're not. But it's great that we're nominated. But, like, how cool we're nominated. Yeah. But, like, that's not the point. We're not winning. <laughs> no. You know, I just never think anything is guaranteed. And that's also just comes from... I have a lot of friends in this business, and, you know, don't buy a new car when you have a season of a show. Yeah. Like, just... I'm always... The job is done when it's over, and then if it goes again, it... it- I was like, we're getting season three, so, like, what are we... I, I was so not worried. I'm a little worried now <laughs> yeah. because also I'm less distracted. I you know, we worked very, very hard and then we went yeah. straight into sort of crazy press and yeah. a lot was going on. Now that I'm sitting with myself and not getting out of bed until <laughs> one in the afternoon, I'm like, Wait, I really hope there's a season three. Yeah. And I really hope there is.
1: I do too. Um, there's always the antique store. Yeah. Do you, do you have a name for the antique business?
0: Clinkers.
1: I'm sorry. Can you say it louder into the mic?
0: <laughs> clinkers.
1: First of all, this is the best journalism I've ever done. So thank you for that moment. It's, it's a great name.
0: Yeah. It There's meaning behind it.
1: I would hope so. But
0: I don't. I can't. I just can't. Do
1: you sell all manner of antiques or particularly you, things that clinkers? The
0: idea was, no. The idea was, the clinkers is about the location of it. But I can't. I can't give that away. Fair enough. Um, but, uh basically coffee antiques and books so like the idea would be you could you know also read a book and have a cup of coffee and then buy antiques but
1: or b- buy the chair you're sitting on maybe yes exactly
0: store. so i thought of this years ago and this yeah. has been my dream and then in kingston new york there's a place called outdated which is like a great coffee shop cafe with food mm-hmm. and antiques and vintage clothing
1: so they they stole your they stole your thing yeah W- and did it probably better. When than you I saw it, were you both excited because it existed, and then immediately appalled because it wasn't yours? Or what, what was your what was your process like?
0: I was I was really excited because I was like, "Wow, that like my dream exists." And then I was like, "How could they?
1: <laughs> How dare they?"
0: <laughs> um, I also. I, I feel like this happens to everyone all the time. Like there's ideas in the air. Do you know I, I feel like uh-huh. any time yeah. my mom talks about this being a writer, yeah. You know, she'll sort of have an idea and then a year later, like nine books will come out no, about right. a certain yeah. subject. And she's like, Well, I had that idea. It,
1: it, it's it's like when there are um I I have ten examples and I can think of none except the worst one, which is uh-huh. when Hollywood suddenly had two asteroid movies. Yeah. Like they were just asteroid movies. Totally. You could have made an asteroid movie in a year other than nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. There was something out there.
0: There's something in the air. It was
1: an asteroid.
0: The Jungian. (laughs) There's just something there in the collective unconscious. So,
1: finally, how, how, this is just, again, this is just more personal advice because that's what this podcast Mm -hmm. has become.
0: Are you giving me personal advice or am I giving you? Let me tell you
1: something. Okay. No, 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 no. I wanted some from you for the listeners. I'm massively unqualified. Okay. Maybe for me, which is how do you plan to survive this winter? What are you <laughs> going to do? It's coming. And, you know, you talked a good game about being tough and into it. and no.
0: I'm completely in denial. That's every year. I forget. Yeah. Every, I've
1: never not lived in winter. Yeah. And every September, I'm like, this is never going to end.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I've preemptively started dressing for winter. I mean, I have like a giant puffy you, coat You that did. I a, it's 74 and was, degrees and sunny yeah. here
1: in New York. And you arrived like an Eskimo.
0: Um, so I'm probably... You want to know my... Re- you want to know the real... Yes. I'm probably going to spend a couple of weeks in L.A.
1: There you go. There you go. I'm really glad. I appreciate your honesty, <laughs> yeah. your forthrightness. I feel like yeah. we finally got to the bottom of a lot of just things. Just a couple of weeks. Just a couple of weeks. Just to clear your head. Yeah. Just to get some green yeah. juice in you. Yeah. You know, just vibe out, relax, yeah. swim.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Pop physique.
1: You said it, not me. Um, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're the worst. My favorite comedy on TV. FXX. Wednesday nights. 1030. People should be watching it.
0: They really should be. In fact, please God watch. Please. <laughs>
1: please. Please watch. Don't send this woman to an antique store. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.